Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing the ever beautiful Kel Quarrell. So Kel is a coach and she works specifically with women. So she supports and empowers women with accountability and transformational strategies so that they can take control of their mindset step into their confidence and live a passionate, fulfilled life. So working with Kel, you get a combination of strategy, frameworks, support and accountability all delivered in her no BS approach. And let me tell you, there were some bangers in today's conversation that we had. I've been in this industry for over 10 years now and never have I considered looking at family daycare and the business part of family daycare in these specific ways that Kel framed them. So I think you're going to get a lot out of today's podcast. There is a little bit of pant kicking. (laughs) We all need that sometimes. So sit back, enjoy and really you know, take the time to to absorb the things that Kel and I talked about today. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund, and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centered educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia, and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here on the Big Hearted Podcast. Good morning, good morning. Hello, Miss Kelly. Today, I want to really thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It is the most spectacular day on the Gold Coast today. And I know you're itching to get out to go lunching with our friend Anna. So we're going to get right into this podcast. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about your story and how you came to being the incredible, delightful, sparkly coach that you are? Thank you so much, Victoria, for having me. I am so grateful to be here. So my story, well, you know, I have been coaching women for almost seven years. I had a beautiful company with my very best friend called Shekan prior to me coaching on my own. And we ran women's retreats and workshops and did a lot of coaching more so from stage. And I just fell in love with the process of seeing women be able to change their lives through accountability, through clarity of what it is they truly want in their lives. And so when we chose to close She Can, it was just inevitable that I would end up doing coaching for women. Mm, Exciting. So She Can, is that your stylist? No, so SheCan was a company that I created with my best friend back in 2016. And the whole outlook for that business was about creating women's events in regional communities back in Victoria so that we could take what we were learning through our own personal development and our own investment in coaches and mentors and deliver that to the women that lived 
too far out of major cities where there was just nothing happening. And so we did that for six and a half years. It was absolutely incredible. But as life changes and our children grew up and obviously the debacle of COVID, live events really did suffer. So we are still the best of friends and I learned so much through that journey. Yeah, it's so amazing. I always look at the journey that I've taken to get to where I am right now and every single thing that I've done has you know, paved the way and given me a certain set of skills that I wouldn't have gotten had I not done those things, obviously. And I just always find it really interesting the way people end up where they are, you know. And I know for a lot of family daycare educators and working mums, it's really important that they respect and honour what they've come from and bring a lot of those skills with them because they're all transferable. So you now specifically work in coaching with women. You prefer the one-on-one sort of style of coaching now? Yeah, that's a great question. I do group coaching as well. I absolutely love, I just love working with women. I've been working with women for over 25 years. And interesting, you just mentioned about all of the things that we do in the lead up to where we end up. And I worked in a fashion store. I managed a fashion store out of high school. I then became a beauty therapist. I'm also a personal stylist. So I've done lots of different things and always that it's revolved around working with women. So I absolutely love one-to-one. I think what you can achieve in a one-to-one session or a, you know, a group of sessions is incredible. However, I do like to be able to bring groups of women together as well because the accountability and support that can happen amongst a group is super powerful. Yeah, 100% because what never fails to astound me is that like we're in another group together, you and I as well, Mm. Her Empire Builders, and what never fails to astound me is when someone finally spills their guts and goes, oh, I'm feeling blah, 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 blah. It's like every single other person in the world has felt that before and there's this great big like sigh of collective sigh of relief that happens because, and I think like we insulate ourselves and I know family daycare educators you know, especially because they work Mm -hmm. with little children all day long and quite often the husbands come home and these women go (laughs) at their husbands. But they feel like because they're so in an echo chamber or a silo that they're just experiencing these things on their own. But what they don't realise, and I see it all the time because I am talking to educators all the time who share these things with me, they don't realise that it's really common and that they're not the only one. And the minute someone starts talking about those sorts of things and it's vulnerable, it allows permission for every single other person to see that and go, oh, yeah, I think that too or I do that or, or that's happened to me too. And when we share together and openly, it really just allows permission for everyone to just kind of go, Oh, I'm a little bit more normal than I thought I was. (laughs) And I absolutely love that word permission because that's exactly what came to mind for me. It's the permission to actually share openly and honestly. And that really does form very quick common ground. So if you've got a new group of women coming together, 
in an accountability group or a coaching group, you know, to really create a safe space and an opportunity for women to share, the one that goes first gives the permission to the rest of the group to then bring forth their own challenges or their own truth in regards to what's actually happening in life. So that word permission is absolutely, yeah, it's absolute gold. Yeah. And like, I think for a lot of us, we're of that ilk that, you know, we still were told to be quiet and, you know, we didn't really have a voice at the table and all that sort of stuff. I really look at admiration, you know, in admiration to the younger ones coming through who, you know, their mothers have paved the way and done the work with them that allows their, and they've done it themselves too, to be more open and be more sharing. And I know that that can sometimes create a little bit of, you know, pushes our boundaries and things like that. But that just really excites me seeing that and seeing women now standing in their power. And that's one of the things that I really want to talk about today in terms of family daycare educators being solopreneurs, business owners. And I know one of your strengths and one of the key things that you bring to your work is this accountability and looking at procrastination because I'm the queen of procrastination, (laughs) like legit the queen. (laughs) And being ADHD doesn't help that either because there's all these rules in my head that, you know, like if I have an appointment at 11 o'clock, well, I can't do anything before that because I've got this appointment at 11 o'clock and then I just start the whole day in, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's just one of those quirky things that my brain does. But I know with a lot of educators what happens is they need to be in the moment with the children and then their families come home and then there's all this documentation and paperwork that they need to do that at the end of the day you just lose all your drive and your momentum. So I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about, well, I know we can because this one <laughs> we're talking today. So let's get right into the nitty-gritty of that. Like what is it that you think causes procrastination? Is there like a set of things or is it individual or we all yeah. do it? So. so I love talking about procrastination and I think the first thing that we need to be really clear on is procrastination does not mean sitting on the couch doing nothing. Mm-hmm. procrastination is often a it's a belief system and a learned set of behaviors that cause us to act in a certain way and when we can identify what type of procrastinator we are we can start to really become aware and then put things into place to best support the type of procrastinator that we are Hold up, there's different types of procrastinators. Yeah, there's different types of procrastinators. So there's different reasons as to why we do things. So you're going to have, you know, someone that is more of a perfectionist and they avoid the task out of fear of doing it incorrectly. There's also people that work best under pressure. So they will procrastinate and not want to get the task done too early So they will leave it to the death knock and then, you know, scramble to the end. There's a whole range of different types of procrastination. And in my four-week group coaching program with women, we go through them so women can identify which category they fall into. Now, our procrastination style is not us. It is just a behaviour that we form. It can absolutely change based on the challenges and the journey we're on in life. But it's not, procrastination is not about 
you know, sitting on the couch and doing nothing. So when we identify what type of procrastinator we are, we can then go to work on, you know, putting things into place to overcome that. And I think the big thing is to be really clear on what is the objective? What is the outcome that I'm working towards, whether or not that's short-term or long-term? And for your educators, it's about really asking themselves, what is it that I want to create in my life and in my business? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I totally identify with uh, working better under pressure. Every single time I kick myself, because once I get into it, then I'm like, oh, I really love it. And then I start hyper-focusing on what I'm doing. And then I'm like, shivers, I've got two hours to get this in. I don't have time to now go and research that, which is, you know, what I really would like to do. If I had started this two weeks ago, I could have really, you know, and then I beat myself up. And it's just this massive cycle of just blaming myself and just, being a knob to myself basically my people know I have a potty mouth I don't quite know the extent of it yet <laughs> as we go along in this podcast they will they're gonna find out just don't ever listen when the children like always have your headphones in girls so I just find that really interesting and I know another form of procrastination that I have is that I put things in front of what I need to do because Sometimes I don't exactly know how to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I get a little bit confused and overwhelmed. And so then, therefore, all of a sudden, I'm like a beast going through my room and decluttering everything when really all I needed to do was, I don't know, hang some curtains in my room or something. You know, so I put all these stupid things that are, you know, good to get done, but also not the desire, like not taking me closer to where I need to be. Yeah. And really interesting. It's about understanding the priority. Like what's, I always say to the women that I work with, what is going to give you the biggest return on investment? And I don't mean by putting cash in, but you know, if you have a specific amount of time to do something, what is the one thing that is going to move you further closest to your goal in the shortest amount of time that you've got. And also I always get them to take stock of how much time, energy and emotion are you using and spending on thinking about tasks that we want to channel the same amount of energy and emotion in completing the task to save us the time because that's the trap. The other thing is to, you said it, overwhelm. The moment we enter overwhelm is the moment we do nothing. So when there are things that perhaps we don't fully yet understand, we get overwhelmed by the weight of all of what we need to do. And so it's in those moments that we need to be breaking down piece by piece. Where can I start? What are the small goalposts that I can set? to know that I'm still moving towards my goal without creating overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true because I know when I was educating with children, I experience it now as a service provider. Like we have to be ready and it's it's a bit feels a bit like, you know, you're in the naughty corner sometimes. That's how I, and that's like guilt from childhood stuff for me, you know, like I was always 
waiting for someone to catch me out and I'm still doing it now because the department hangs over my head, you know, and I know educators feel the same because their service can pop in at any time, the department can pop into their home at any time. So, you know, that adds this constant level of stress that even if you you might have been doing this for a long time, so you probably don't even register it, but it's always there, right? And I know that when we have those and then you've got your own children and family and, you know, especially as you're navigating, some educators work with their own little ones or they've got teenagers and that's a whole different kettle of worry and concern that comes with teenagers and then you've got your husband and then you've got all these changes. So little by little, these things that we just manage and deal with and probably don't give a massive amount of brain capacity to are filling our cups already. So the minute when we get to, oh, I've got to have this documentation done or I had a really bad week last week and now I'm a week behind in my documentation, oh, God, and it starts this procrastination cycle of all of a sudden it's way more important to get to dusting and decluttering your space or doing the washing or all of the other things that you can find to pile in front of rather than just, eating that frog you know you would know that story yeah yeah rather than eating that frog and just getting on with it and doing it or drawing a line in the sand and going I can't catch up that I'm just going to go forward from here and stay in place so I guess this now leads to accountability and what is it that you because I need to I really need accountability and I suck at giving myself accountability so therefore the way I counteract that is I lead a team. So I don't ever ask my team to do anything that I'm not willing to do. And so therefore I make myself accountable because I make it that my team is holding me accountable. So that's how I get around it. But I know an educator who's working on her own may not have those skills. So what are some things that you can suggest that we can do to be more accountable to ourselves and to our businesses? Yeah, I love that. So first and foremost, I think when you have self-awareness and you truly understand how you operate as a woman, you can then start to put things in place to be self-accountable. And not everyone is going to have the self-accountability muscle built, but when you start to really identify and understand who you are, you can start to put things in place to be self-accountable. For me, For example, I have told myself my entire life that I'm not a morning person. However, I truly am a morning person because I love what getting up early and moving my body first thing gives me for the rest of the day. So for me to be self-accountable, I've decided to train in group training environments where I actually have to book my class. Mm -hmm. And I know the sort of person I am is that I am going to show up because I've booked in, I'm taking a place away from someone else. And if I don't, then I'm costing that business money. So that makes me self-accountable to getting up early and moving my body. The other thing is actually understanding that if you aren't someone that is going to be self-accountable, it's identifying what is it that you need to do the most and asking someone else to hold you accountable. So as you said, Victoria, you get your team to hold yourself accountable. Sometimes I'll get my husband to hold me accountable if it is something that I feel I need. 
when you're looking at educators that are perhaps working on their own, you know, it's finding someone in their network, someone like-minded that they can reach out to and say, I need to have accountability on these. And, you know, this is what I do. I mean, people invest in me, not just for accountability, but for coaching. And if you're not in that position to be able to invest in a coach, find someone that is like-minded that is going to be able to call you on it, Mm. that is going to get you to be accountable. Yeah. And see, that's the big juxtaposition for women, isn't it? Because if we call a person out on something and we might do it from a space of love, the other person has to be open to receiving it. If they're not open and they get instantly triggered, then she's a bitch. And I know a lot of women are traumatised from working in childcare centres because there's not that openness, nor is there the accountability to how one behaves and how one perceives information coming in. Like there's just this thing that happens sometimes when women work together if they're not all on the same page. And and I know there's probably a whole heap of educators that have left long daycare centres because they can't stand working in that environment. And it's real. it can be very scary to be reaching out, to be asking for help like that. And I do it too. Like I really have accountability through our coach, Tina, in her Empire Builder and the rest of my team, you know, so we have management meetings and things like that. So I think if educators were to look at it from a purely a business perspective, they could absolutely create something with other educators or their service where they say, right, we want to have a business meeting. Let's take it to the business level it's not personal level. Let's take it to business level and let's have some agreements here that we aren't bitches and that we don't take things like that. Like, And if someone is starting to get meh, 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 we have an agreement that we will say, hang on a second, can you rephrase that or reframe Mm -hmm. it? I think that's something that educators could potentially do. And if anyone wants to do that, you can let me know and I can see if we can set something up around that. We've got various pages and things like that. But Absolutely, yeah. I think that that is so valuable, particularly because they all in obviously the similar type of profession, they're on the same sort of journey. But it's also about being self-accountable to saying, well, I'm willing to put forward what it is that I'm going to do in the next two weeks, four weeks, whatever the time period might be. And I'm asking you now to hold me accountable to do this. Mm. And I've been in lots of masterminds. As you said, we're in Her Empire Builders together. And in the mastermind we've I've been in in the past, in all different types of businesses, it's always been we'd have a call. Following the call, you put in your action items, you know, that needed to be completed before the next call and you would ask for the accountability. And then when you get to know the type of person you are, you can then share with that group, this is how I choose, I would like you to hold me accountable. So you get to choose, you know, is it that you just send a quick message and say, hey, how are you doing? Is it, you know, something other than that? Like you have to be self-accountable and responsible 
to Mm. ask for what you need. So I believe if there is, I have a free coaching Facebook group and, you know, it's about creating that space where women can ask for help, women can ask for accountability, they can ask for support, and they can also be celebrated if they, you know, choose to share one of their wins. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So I really love that and we will put the link to your Facebook coaching uh your your group sorry to the show notes so that educators can follow that and find you because then I don't have to set something up it's already (laughs) functioning there so I don't have to restart the wheel so what I really got out of that and as you were talking I was thinking you know educators have their coordinators so coordinators go and visit them once a month or so depending on their service You could absolutely set that up as an agreement between them and their coordinator where, you know, you say, okay, this month, this is the focus I want to have in my business and maybe ask your coordinator, like, what are the things that you're looking at? Because I know every service works differently, but our service has a focus for the month that goes across the entire service. That way we can pick up, you know, common things that may have, you know, been sort of left by the wayside a bit. And so we're having the same conversation across the entire team. But we also know the following month we're looking at X in the business. So you could absolutely like set it up with your coordinator to say, right, well, if you're looking at programming next month, what are some goals you want me to set in my programming? Mm. So this is where educators can actually start stepping up into their business and be really accountable and professional in their business and utilise the service that's providing support for them. So it might be having a discussion with their service provider and saying, look, I really want to step my business up and I want to step my goal setting up and my accountability up. Can you help me on this? How can we do it so that it works for you too? Because educators have to, I really believe, start being forward thinking in their business and really treating it like a business. And when you do that, you're going to walk differently. You're going to talk differently. You're going to present yourself differently. You're going to feel differently in your work. Mm. Absolutely. Because they're also an educator, but they're also a business owner. And so both are as equally as important. And so the... I guess the energy needs to be shared amongst being an educator and, you know, obviously caring and supporting and educating the children that are in their care, but also they're running a business. And so that is a hat switch. We actually have to take educator hat off and we have to put businesswoman hat on to actually see this differently. And I think one of the biggest challenges perhaps work with working with children is a mindset around making money off children. Oh, yes. And, you know, we have to be able to switch that mentality because you're not making money off children. You're generating an income for yourself and your family through the impeccable education you're giving children. Yep. And it's a very big mindset switch. Massive, absolutely massive, because I know there's a massive cohort of educators out there who charge, undercharge what they're worth. You know, we get the CCS cap. There's so many educators that don't even charge up to the cap. 
not only are they missing out on income, but their families are missing out on the full benefit that they could get from CCS. And, you know, I know there's a lot of services that will say, oh, but we're in a low socioeconomic area. You just need to run the figures, like run the numbers. It doesn't make that much of a difference to a parent that's getting 85% coverage of CCS. They're paying 85% of the $11.80 or whatever our cap is now. You know, so it may mean a difference of five, maybe $10 a day for the parent, but it could mean upwards of $200 for you a week. Like that's a huge amount. And I also know, and I banged on about this a couple of months ago, about educators paying their super and their tax. There's so many educators that don't pay super because they don't, they haven't set their budgets up right so that, well, they haven't got a budget and they haven't been putting towards super. So if you look at putting your fee up to the cap minimum, that extra money you can then put into your super because those families that you have now are not going to be around when you're 70 to look after you. You have to look after yourself and you have to do it now because by the time we probably get to pension age, there probably isn't going to be a pension. So, you know, this poverty consciousness or this mindset that we have where, oh, we're just doing childcare we don't deserve, nah. We absolutely need to kick that aside and step into the fact that we are raising these children. We are educating these children. If we have this low self-worth program that's running our show and we're unaware of it, we are absolutely conditioning the children we work with to have the same thing. Oh, without question. And it's really interesting because you're not just in childcare You're providing families with time and freedom to be able to generate their own family and income. Oh, say that again. (laughs) I mean, this is the reality, right? You're not just, you're not babysitting children. You are actually creating space, time, freedom for families to generate their own income to provide for their own families. That's what you're providing. You know, I've never thought of it in that perspective ever, and that is total game changer for me. Kel, that was incredible. (laughs) Because it's like anything, right? It's like Uber. Yes, you know, they are providing a travel service, but they are also providing you the ability to create more freedom and more time for what you are able to do in the back of an Uber when you're not having to concentrate on the road. Yeah, and getting you safely to your destination. Correct, right. And, you know, it's all done, saving me time digitally. It's all plug it in once, it's all done. That's how you need to reframe. Yes. Educators need to be able to reframe their mindset around what they're doing. And so I also say is that there's a couple of things. One, we get what we tolerate. If you're going to actually put your fees out that are lower then that's what you're going to get. Yeah. But you also have the ability to teach people how to treat you. Yeah. And so when you start taking yourself and your own business seriously, other people will too. 100%. Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I love about working with educators across Australia is, you know, seeing these women start to blossom and start to actually go, do you know what? I actually know what I'm talking about. 
I am a professional and I provide a beautiful program for the children that are with me during the day. And I do go, you know, above and beyond. And you know what? I value my time and I value my worth. And I want to have families that value that too. And part of what we talk about in our course in the essential elements is having boundaries, but it's boundaries on yourself, Mm. not just on the children you work with. Because if you can't hold a boundary for yourself, it's really difficult to hold boundaries for other people. So this is part of the conversation that I really want to have with our profession is that, you know, family daycare needs to step up. Like we mm-hmm. really need to step up. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we take a good hard, honest look at ourselves and hold ourselves personally accountable for what we're contributing to where our profession is right now. And, you know, family daycare has been around for a very long time and it is on a little bit of shaky ground. So if educators really are serious about their work, you really need to get serious about the business Mm. side of your work too because you can't forget that. You can't. It's like being a mum who's just had a baby and is breastfeeding but I don't have time to eat, well, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to nourish your child because your body is not being nourished. It's the same thing with business. You can't run a family daycare and treat it as if you're a group leader in a centre. You actually have to have some business acumen and nous and skills to keep your business functioning. And I think that probably comes back to that personal accountability. People are scared to step into that role because mm. they don't know. They just don't know, like there's no one really having these conversations. So I think that's such valuable, that whole shift of frame, that frame shift, whatever it is that you just made happen in my brain. <laughs> like I've been doing this for nine years. Never once have I put it into that perspective. And I'm just like, yeah, that's a total game changer, total game changer. Yeah, and it happens in so many professions, particularly with women. You know, I think back when I was a beauty therapist and I actually then went and opened my own Alabashe franchise and as most beauty salon owners do, they come from being on the tools. They come from Mm. loving and being good at their skill of being a beauty therapist and then they get into business and then it's like, oh, shit, I'm now the everything. I'm the beauty therapist, but I'm also the cleaner and the bookkeeper and the marketer and all of the things. And it can be super overwhelming. So what a lot of beauty salon owners do is they just end up staying in the cubicle and doing the work because they don't want to think about the business until the business is not traveling very well. And it's the same with your educators, right? They need to be able to set aside the time where they are now not an educator but a businesswoman and looking at the elements of their business and, as you said, like call on the people that they're working with Mm. to, you know, help them create a plan each month. What is the focus this month? What is it that I perhaps need to learn? What do I need to upskill in so that I can continue to move my business forward? And I just think if they can schedule time in their week where they look at their business from a business owner perspective, that will be a true game changer. 100%. Absolutely. I fully, totally am there with you on that. We do seasonal planning and the idea of 
like it's working on your business, not always in your business. And we talk about batching within our business too Mm -hmm. with what we share with educators because it's so vital and it's so important and it's so positive. Like the we invest sort of three to four hours, one Saturday a season, so once every three months, it's three to four hours, and educators then can walk away with their whole 12-week plan in place. Now, things are going to change, 100% things are going to change, but you have a direction in which to go towards which makes all the difference when you're in business because if you know where you're wanting to head and something happens you can veer off the path but you've got somewhere to come back to otherwise you just end up going in circles and putting out spot fires and that's all you end up doing like oh shit I'm behind in my documentation I've got to do all these observations oh no I wanted to do such and such but I didn't have time to order those resources and blah 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 blah. oh god now the department's knocking on my door and I'm not up to date and there's just all this and that's when it'll happen is when you are at your lowest is when the department or your service will rock up and specifically it's like they have this knowing and they will ask for the exact thing that you've been putting off so devoting that time and looking at it as that I'm working on my business, not in my business right now, is such an important shift that we need to make. Yeah, absolutely. And a mentor of mine a long time ago said, (coughs) you don't need to do it all, but you need to lead it. Mm. And I just feel that in business that is just such valuable advice is that if you know, if your educators know that there is something that is a requirement of their business, Mm-hmm. that they either fully don't understand, don't have the skill to do, or they absolutely hate it, the goal would be to work towards outsourcing that to someone else. So mm-hmm. if it's like the bookkeeping or the, you know, the stuff that's outside of the educated role of yep. the business, it's like you don't have to do it all. In the beginning, you probably will (laughs) to be, you know, financially viable, you will. But eventually you can just leave that. You just know that you have allocated that to someone else that you trust and then you can put your focus onto the things that you really enjoy. But without knowing what it is that your business really requires and spending that really dedicated time, as you said, Victoria, on knowing what that is and forward planning, then you don't have the ability to be able to lead anything. So I think that's super important. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And it's like when I first became an approved provider, I had no idea of the requirements and the things that I had to do. If I knew then what I know now, would I still do it? Probably because I'm a sucker, but you know, I'm still learning and I'm still discovering things. And I think that's the beauty of being in business because you do get to, you know, create your own rhythm and your own flow and do things the way you know they should be done, you know, and aligning yourself with people who are going to support that vision and encourage you to step boldly into it is really important and it's essential, really because otherwise you're just going to be in your own little silo. And some people are great there. They're lone wolves. They love it. Mm -hmm. That's all they need. But other people really, you know, we need that interaction and that connection. And it's important when I think you're working with children to have that. 
and to it's fun looking at things from a different perspective and going, woo, you know, I can put my focus and my attention onto this because I've got working with the children down pat. Yes. You know, now if I'm feeling a little bit bored in that or it's not as fulfilling as what it used to be for me, well, this is still part of that. And it's an area I haven't really looked at. Let's dive into that and start exploring what that means. And I think when we start to do that collectively, we're really going to raise the professionalism and the standing of family daycare within our community. So you've been phenomenal, Kel. Like, this is just great. No idea this stuff was going to come out. It was so good. So I love podcasting because you never know where these conversations are going to go. Absolutely. Hey, one thing that we ask our guests is, is there a book or a quote that you would really love to leave our people with? Have you got something up your little sleeve? I've probably got, I'm going to share my favourite accountability quote. And it is, it is not only what we do, but also what we do not do for which we are accountable. Oh, it's not what we do, but what we don't do for which we're accountable. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Why'd you have to say that? Because there's a lot I don't do that I'm accountable for. Well, it's, and, about, it's about responsibility, right? We're 100%, yeah. 100% responsible for everything we have in our life and everything we don't have in our life. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, Kel, you have been an absolute shining light and I think there's going to be so many educators that get a lot out of this conversation. I know I did. You have a five-day challenge. Challenge, a five-day challenge. (laughs) That's the one. You've got that coming up. Educators can jump on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can they find that if they're interested in working more with you? Certainly. So if they just go to my website, which is calquarrel, K-E-L-L-Q-U-A-R-R-E-L-L.com.au forward slash five-day challenge. Okay. Literally the five-day challenge is open to all women that just want to spend five days focusing on doing one thing. Right. It's about being and getting the accountability to successfully complete or begin, depends what it is, the one thing. No overwhelm, no stress, just success for five days. Awesome. That sounds amazing. I actually signed up and did your last one. <laughs> and it was phenomenal. It was, it was so good. Hence why the podcast is finally out. Yes. <laughs> one that I've been talking about for two and a <laughs> half years now. So funny. Oh, thank you so very much, Kel. I, I really, really thank you from the bottom of my heart because you've helped me reframe things and you know, it's so valuable. And to have you in our circle where we can access you is just such a gift and a blessing. So thank you so very much for joining us, Kel. It's my pleasure. And thank you for having me. That's all right. I'll put all the things in the show notes so that people can find you easily. Because I know a lot of our people listen as they're walking or, you know, cleaning, and they may not have hands-free. So all the show notes, they you will find all the information. And if you don't know how to find the show notes, Just hit us up via email or message and we'll get the information to you as well. So, yeah, thanks so much, Kel. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a beautiful day and we'll talk soon. You too. Bye-bye. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our 
individual selves and our professional selves as well. We love feedback, so if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love.